And then we can give a quick update on the peacock situation. But again, I haven't actually used it. So they all, they got they got really screwed by coronavirus. They were going to launch it during the Olympics and that didn't happen. <laughs> True. So, <laughs> I forgot about the Olympics. <laughs> And welcome to Stream Theory, a quarantine version of Stream Theory for the second month. I am Jackson of the YouTube channel Skip Intro and other various video properties. And joining me on the line is the one, the only, Thomas Flight. Hi, Jackson. How's it going? How you how you holding up? I'm going to act like I'm greeting you, even though we've been talking for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> I've been holding up pretty well. Uh, I, uh, you know, am here at home working, watching TV, and uh, that's about it these days. So I can tell things have really changed a lot for us. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a really <laughs> dramatic <laughs> shift in my lifestyle. <laughs> I have a friend who works from home. He's kind of like a shut in and he's right. like, since the quarantine, I've, I'm actually much more social because uh, <laughs> now there's people around. And, yeah, I was like, oh, and all your extrovert friends are like reaching out to you like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, he's hey, like, we should I, chat. I, I, think right? th- I think I'm really using this quarantine to bust out of my shell. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you are the only one. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So today we have a couple of uh, little news things to get to, although for the most part, the entertainment industry is that there's not a whole lot of new stuff happening. Um, but we are going to talk a lot of in the in the kind of content discussion this week, the trending now about uh Netflix's whole domination recently of Tiger King and Too Hot to Handle and reality shows and and all that stuff and then and then we'll maybe we'll spend a little bit more time talking about our our personal cues this week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, why don't we start with the news? So this just in, uh we're going to talk about the news and streaming services and that kind of stuff and w- what's new, what's coming out, what's uh what's what's been out. So what do what do we have on the on the docket today, Thomas? The big story I guess, quote unquote, you could say is uh, the launch of Quibi, um, which is this short form mobile video platform. Um, it, I, I think it makes sense for us to be talking about it because it kind of factors into this world of like streaming TV, the streaming wars and all these things. Um, but it's really in a way, I think, targeted at kind of bringing streaming style content like you might find on something like Netflix or Hulu TV style, very highly produced content, but turning it into um, a more mobile, quick format in the way people watch, say, YouTube or Instagram stories or Facebook TV or TikTok, um, kind of capitalizing on that market with this like more highly produced content. Um, and Quibi is something that's been like been hyped for a long time. They had like Super Bowl commercials and all this stuff leading up to their launch, and they have a ton of like star power associated with their content. There's a bunch of shows with uh, what are some of the names? Chrissy Teigen and um, Sophie Turner is one of them, I believe. Yeah, there's like an Idris Alba show. The one show I watched had um, what's his name? I really like him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christoph Waltz. <laughs> Christoph Waltz was in a show. It's like very recognizable names. Will Arnett. Um, if you scroll through the the Quibi content, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know, I know these people. Um, so they've obviously p- thrown a lot of money at creating 
um, the content and uh, there's a 90 day free trial and then it's like five bucks a month from there. And most of the episodes of the content are like seven between like seven and 10 minutes long. One of the coolest features, I think, is that you can watch anything in both portrait and landscape mode. Um, oh, and you I can like, like flip that. back and forth pretty seamlessly, which is kind of cool. But uh, ultimately, I didn't end up watching that much just because uh, it doesn't seem like the kind of content that is that compelling to me personally. It, it scrolling through the Quibi feed of available content feels very much to me like scrolling through the YouTube trending page. Yeah. Um, and so Which we talked about in our last podcast. Yeah. Um, so it's I think just a lot of the content that I'm not super interested in um, and probably not in line with a lot of the stuff that, you know, we tend to talk about here. But I don't think that necessarily means it won't be successful, um, you know, especially given the fact that YouTube succeeds pretty you know is pretty successful with that kind of content on its trending page or if you look at like the top 10 content netflix that is the kind of stuff that um quibi seems to be uh going all in on yeah i'll, I'll say this just um just on the business side they there's a lot riding on quibi um they have already said that they're going to spend over a billion dollars on original content in the first year they're saying that they're going to get over 8500 total short form episodes in this first year they said they had a hundred uh 1.7 million downloads in the first week and they've got like a ton of investment from a lot of the people that we usually talk about in this space so Walt Disney, NBC Universal, Sony Pictures, Warner Media, uh, Viacom, yeah. the whole the whole shebang, even even Alibaba. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, I, I didn't download it. And part of the reason I didn't download it was because the this the, the kind of the niche that I think Quibi fits into is are these kind of quick bites. So you're I mean, that's what it's short for quick bites. And you are, you know, you're on the train and you flip on an episode of Idris Elba show or whatever. Um, but during quarantine, there's not really any space for that because there's right. nothing. You're not trying to kill time so much. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like toilet TV or breakfast TV. It's like those are the yeah. two like quarantine activities that kind of fit the time slot that you might. <laughs> and I was wondering if for. you if you thought that this was the best time or the worst time to launch Quibi, because on the other hand, it also is the only thing that we're talking about today, basically. Um, and yeah. it is the it is new in the streaming service realm and uh, everyone is is hankering for something, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's a tough call. You know, I think your intuition is probably right that this maybe isn't a great time because it, it that whole the whole premise is kind of that like on the go. And we, we just have more time right now. I think people are seeking out like, you know, longer form content that they can binge potentially or like a show that they can get really involved in and quibi is kind of the antithesis to that um we watching, are finally hitting the point in the quarantine where people are asking me what like classic tv shows they should right. be watching yeah um yeah. that wasn't happening for a while people were kind of like oh we'll find what uh whatever everyone else is watching we're yeah. gonna finally get in but now people are like maybe i'll start the sopranos and i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you should <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been I've been hearing and sensing that as well. Um, it's also in watching Quibi, I would say it feels really weird. Um, like the the stuff that I did watch they're it, they're doing something that's very strange, which is that it's short form content, but they're not making what we currently know of as short form content. Like some of the narrative stuff that I tried watching, it was like they took one scene, one like seven minute scene, and they just made that an episode. Um, 
Interesting. And so instead of like really like changing the format of the storytelling to fit seven minutes, they're just going like, oh, I'm just going to chop up an hour's worth of content into, you know, seven minute chunks and feed those to you. And to me, that just feels very like, like, I don't need that. I don't want that. Like I can just, you know, I, I'll, I'll sit down and watch an hour worth of TV or, you know, if I want something faster, I can watch TikTok or YouTube. Like it just doesn't to me, the like narrative, narrative content more serious narrative content and, you know, something that's quick entertainment feel like these very divided things in my mind. They're trying to join them and it definitely feels weird at first. They might be able to succeed and maybe that's just, you know, I'm not used to it um, and maybe audiences will get used to that. But uh, there's definitely something odd about it at first. It doesn't feel natural uh, in a certain way. The best piece of content that I consumed on Quibi was like the BBC has like a daily news thing. Mm. And so it was like, oh, here's like a, you know, seven minute world news snippet. Um, and that actually like, you know, kind of fit into the format. It felt like that's not even necessarily new, though. I remember um, uh, a couple years ago, I was I downloaded the the Reuters app and you could choose how much time you had anywhere right. between two minutes to like 20 minutes and it would just compile new stories that yeah. were all video based and it would just play them one after another for you um, yeah. in whatever time frame time span you chose and it would be like the most important stuff and it always ended on like a pretty fluffy piece which was nice um yeah. a bunch of people a bunch like um a bunch of people have already done that so it's not yeah that, that's not anything new just to kind of touch on what you were talking about i think again i haven't seen them really so who knows if i really know what i'm talking about but um it feels like what you're touching on is that the content on tiktok which i think is is some of the most like interesting stuff on the internet right now, just because it's so short form and there's so many like weird tools that people have used and stuff there does not feel like narrative television right. or narrative anything. It's it's kind of its own art form, yeah. which is super cool. And you're saying that the Quibi stuff is kind of trying to imitate TV as opposed to creating a new art form. Right. Yes. Yeah, I okay. think I think. Yeah, that's totally right. Like, I think they need to change the way that you approach storytelling. If you're going to tell stories in seven minute or 10 minute chunks, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to edit this, you know, larger piece of fiction down into seven minute chunks and deliver it in seven minute chunks. I also think it because I think that kind of like it's based on this premise that I don't really buy that much anymore, which is that people just have like really short attention spans and like, you know, watching an hour of TV is like uh, the people aren't going to do that. So if we give it to them in small little bites, they'll, you know, consume it more. And I think like that used to be a big meme, so to speak, on the Internet. You know, it was all about keeping things short and viral. But I think we see now that there's there's room for short form content, but there's also room for really long form content and people will watch longer stuff. So I think it's just like, I don't really know what need this is filling. Like I didn't ask for yeah. what this is. That doesn't mean it'll fail, but I just am skeptical that this is really like filling a need that isn't being met by existing content yeah i was just gonna say you and i both work on youtube and a lot of the the youtube community has been noting how long-form content seems to be getting promoted by the algorithm more and more right um right. because it keeps you on the on the platform for a longer period of time i'm i'm thinking of the 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 quote um that's in like media criticism uh the, the medium is the message which is this idea from this canadian guy uh <laughs> his name is escaping oh, oh, me at yes. the moment, but um yeah, what's his name? Something. 
how to Mc- watch McLuhan. Uh, oh, Marshall, Marshall McLuhan. McLuhan. Yeah. Marshall McLuhan. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and basically, the idea is that what is being said is is important, but it's it's all about how the message is delivered. So the differences between TV and film are are small, but they're there. Or the differences between film and like theater, um, which is something that I learned a lot about uh, when when all these essays about video essays about cats started coming out, yeah. um, and how how different it is in those two mediums. And I think that what you're noting here is that they're really they're not really trying to. Uh, weaponize the medium of Quibi so much as they're just trying to fit TV into this different box. Yeah. 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 I would if, like, I think we we've talked about TikTok somewhat. And I think TikTok is a much more uh, is a great example of like how that kind how content that is adapted to that um, medium. And I downloaded I just recently started using TikTok. I downloaded TikTok and Quibi around the same time. And I've watched maybe, you know, 20 minutes or half hour of content total on Quibi in the last month and i've watched uh tiktok probably probably for five or ten minutes every day um tiktok's the best so um, yeah if if, <laughs> I, if I had it. to invest if i had to invest in one of the two it would definitely be tiktok right now i, I my, my i think i think we'll see quibi pivot in some way in the next like two years yeah yeah definitely um if it lasts that long yeah <laughs> uh, we'll which see. it seems like it probably will i, I don't know so um, yeah just download tiktok instead of quibi yeah right right tiktok it just makes me feel happy when i scroll through it it's um, really great and and i don't think it'll uh, not to be pessimistic i don't think it'll stay that way forever but in a lot of ways it feels like earlier youtube felt to me when people were just creating yeah. content there was less like monetary uh like gain tied up in it tiktok isn't directly monetized yet so people are obviously right. trying to build followers or get famous on there but i think yeah, there's you a lot can, of- you can make a lot of money from sponsored posts right um, especially if you're near the top and i've seen some pretty like crazy numbers on it that i don't have offhand but also i've seen that the like followers basically come and go overnight and you could have like 40 million followers one day and like 1 million in a week from that yeah and i think the majority of people who are creating content on there are just doing it because it's fun or they have an interest that they want to share or skill or um whatever at least that's a lot of what i've been seeing on there so yeah it's crazy how money ruins everything Uh, (laughs) and we'll be right back from a word from our sponsors (laughs) just kidding no one sponsors us yes but if you would like to sponsor us, you can email us at streamtheorypod at gmail.com. That's right. Hit us up. Uh, yeah. Money ruins everything, and we would love to ruin this show. So. Ah, yes. <laughs> well, help us sell out. <laughs> In a, Yeah, we will gladly sell out. Come at us. Uh, you know, the streaming wars are really heating up. There's a lot of competition. Um, and so, you know, advertising on our podcast would be a way to give your streaming service an edge. Uh, but know, oh, it, we're totally uh, <laughs> we are totally ob- objective, though. Okay? Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. We um, can't be bought easily. <laughs> Right. No. Yes. We can't can't be be bought, bought, but you've got to pay us money. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So in in addition to Quibi, Peacock also came out this month to Comcast customers only. um, And nobody really talked about this. It kind of was... um, a nothing burger. Uh, I'm a Comcast customer and I didn't even get an email from Comcast saying, hey, here's how you get Peacock for free. I am as a- also a Comcast uh, customer 
and I didn't find out about this until we were doing the prep for this pod. So yeah, I I only I only found out about it because I was like, oh yeah, what's going on with Peacock? And I googled it, and it was like, hey, it's out for Comcast customers. And then it took me about ten minutes at least to figure out how I could even get it as a Comcast customer, which apparently involves getting a free uh, streaming device from Comcast, um, which I can only assume is like a ploy to like somehow track what I'm watching. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Across the board. Um, So yeah, Peacock is out, but I don't have it yet because I'm waiting for this device to arrive, which didn't cost me anything. But uh, it seems very weird. Um, And you had mentioned something about their strategy for launching Peacock that I had forgotten about that. Right. So Peacock's original strategy was to launch during the Olympics and uh, that was going to kind of be their flagship introduction to the big stage um and now obviously the olympics are not happening in 2020 and uh i think that they don't really have a backup plan because when you're strategizing you don't really you're not like well what happens if the olympics are canceled right (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) so uh yeah so peacock is out but there's nothing to say about it maybe we'll check back in in a month or two when it's actually available for everybody. Are you sure that that device is not like uh, like some kind of shortwave sound burst thing that's going to brainwash you overnight? I am not sure, um, but, you know, I decided I needed to get it anyway in the name of research <laughs> and for this podcast. So uh, if I get brainwashed, it was in the line for of you guys. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> It's on you guys. <laughs> it probably has 5G in it and we'll, you know, I'll end up with the coronavirus. <laughs> oh my god. That's the real scam here. I'm I'm joking. I'm that is a joke. <laughs> and we live in a world where I have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of living in a world where we have to talk about things, um, <laughs> let's switch to our trending now section where we talk about a different piece of content every month um, and kind of tie it into the larger context of the streaming wars and just media in general. And this week, this month, and this month, we're talking about uh, Tiger King, uh, the Netflix show Too Hot to Handle, and just Netflix's general foray into, uh, I, I wrote in the, in the outline, foray into trash. Um, yes. <laughs> so let's, uh, I guess these two shows have really taken over the Netflix for sure. They've definitely been both at number one um, on Netflix's little ticker that we talked about last month yeah. um, that they've kind of introduced. Tiger King was there for, was number one for weeks, uh, probably like the first month and a half it was out. And if you haven't heard of Tiger King, um, I don't know. Where you've I'm been. surprised. Uh, you must truly been be in some kind of quarantine, like sealed off from even the internet. If you- yeah. So I guess I guess that's the the place to start. Is what did you think about Tiger King? I guess is is the best place to start. And how do you think that it became such like a a viral success? Tiger King is kind of this magical uh, piece of documentary television that I think was the right thing at the right place in the right time. Um, it's uh, I mean, everybody's seen it, so it's probably kind of pointless to sum it up, but it's just a show about crazy if people. If you could sum it up. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's just about crazy people in the United States who own uh, big cats, exotic cats and their wild, crazy lives. Uh, it documents that over what, like eight episodes or so. And it, in, in a lot of ways, I think it, it's popular for two reasons. One, because it's just it's it's very well put together. It's one of these stories that you really just can't look away 
from it's a it's a truly wild cast of characters that like you it's cliche to say but like you couldn't come up with this you know the reality yeah. here is is really stranger than fiction and i think in in that way like it reflects something that a lot of us have been seeing and feeling like about our country or just about like the state of things and it sort of exemplifies and uh, sums up and creates this archetype of like what is going on in america that we all feel so crazy about in some ways and then you combine that with the other ingredient of like it basically hitting the shelves at the exact moment that everybody was diving into their house and taking cover from the coronavirus and i think uh it just blew up into this cultural phenomenon as we all like watched it during the first couple weeks where we were stuck at home yeah, I, I think that you really eloquently stated how it kind of sums up so many ideas that we're having that a lot of people are having about America and um, just in general about societal trends and how people feel like there's this like silent part of the middle of the country that they don't understand. I, when I say people think that, I guess I'm specifically talking about people on the coasts, uh, which you and I right. both are. Um but I think that the I think I think that the easy answer is that it's just because Netflix. Um, the reason that this was so successful is the internet and Netflix. Every single character in the show is a meme that you don't need to have even seen the show to understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, if someone posted a meme with a picture of Joe Exotic, you it's still funny even if you haven't seen the show. Yeah. Um, even if you know nothing about him, and then when you find out about him, you're like, what the heck? Like this is even crazier than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Everybody has ex everyone has access to it because of uh, being under lockdown and also because everyone has Netflix It's the most ubiquitous streaming service that we have covered at length. Um, and I, I think that that kind of is the big the big reason is just that it is so it is perfectly tailored for the Internet and it exists on the platform that has the capability. Yeah. And we we're talking about how Peacock is having rollout issues and Quibi is maybe kind of struggling and i think that if this lockdown is good for anyone it's good for netflix who has just been able to build on its institutional momentum um in this in this kind of period of weirdness yeah. people are not turning to new things they're turning to what's familiar yeah. um and what's familiar is is netflix um i think i think there might be something here too and i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this but we talk a lot about sort of um you know the upsides and downsides of bulk releasing a whole show or like how that affects discussion and netflix's approach to like letting people binge watch things um and i think tiger king is uniquely suited to sort of like break through the downsides of people watching it at different sides at, at times and being able to talk about it anyway because it's documentary tv i feel like there's almost weirdly like less stigma about spoiling it or talking about certain things um there are definitely spoilers within tiger king and there's some of that like you know a lot of people would be like oh if you haven't seen it just watch it i'm not gonna you know tell you anything about it but i also saw people being more free with how they talked about it in a way that usually people are not when it comes to like a narrative show like you know uh ozark or something like that or stranger things or yeah whatever. yeah um and so i think that you know even though we were all watching it you know probably on different weeks or over different periods of time there was still stuff to talk about about tiger king um with people who like maybe weren't at the same spot in the show as you were it's also much less of a linear like storyline and so it's That's kind exactly of just, what i was about to say yeah 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 they kind of start 
part at the at the end where yeah. you know that there's kind of a maybe like an attempted murder case thing going on right. and you know things don't end well and then it's about kind of filling in these characters beforehand uh how how we got to this point and it's all kind of just about the details to that story yeah and it's not difficult to talk about because it's basically just you know what the outline of the entire thing is right off the bat and then it's all about just getting collecting the evidence right right um i i have a i have a thought here that kind of transitions us into netflix's foray into trash um (laughs) which is i think one of the things that i i guess i watched tiger king i enjoyed it i enjoyed sort of the cultural phenomenon that it was it was fun to kind of have uh something that we could all collectively like freak out about while we were also freaking out about other things but it it wasn't tiger king didn't leave me without my like qualms or like hesitations and i think it's it's a it's a documentary that in the same way the people within the show don't care about or don't actually care about the cats or like accomplishing you know whatever cause that they're trying to do tiger king is is a show that is literally just entertainment and doesn't have any kind of there's no voice of reason within the show there's no hero there's no there's no one who really takes a step back and goes like whoa you know this is messed up and i think a lot of including the filmmakers right including the filmmakers um and if you watch interviews with them it's really interesting to see how they they kind of admit almost to developing this like sympathy for joe which i think comes across in the show and you could see that culturally um in people kind of like really ragging on carol but like having and let's be clear carol sucks yeah yeah no they're they're all terrible people um, but, uh, it does concern me kind of the way that, that it's all presented and the fact that we can just sort of like watch it go, whoa, that's crazy shrug and move on. And it's not really like, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I hate to be that guy, but it, oh yeah. no, I'm, I'm totally on team. Tiger King is gross. Um, yeah. I felt dirty after every episode I watched. Um, and I understand that it is crazy and there is like some inherent charm to like the the ridiculousness of it and some of the like campier kind of moments like in the last episode where that guy is on the jet ski like right and yeah. eye of the tiger <laughs> is playing and it's like what the hell am i watching yeah yeah but at the same time i think you're totally right there's no uh, they're kind of pointing out this like incredibly horrible thing that is happening and they're like and the people involved are crazy huh yeah and (laughs) there's no there's no message to it there's no call to action um in some ways they kind of are glorifying it um yeah i really have to wonder like how far how much distance is there between all of us watching tiger king and getting a kick out of it and the people who are going to the zoos and like getting a kick out of the animals and the whole like production of it you know it's like we're not giving money directly into like doc antles or joe exotics pockets by watching the show but it's a similar like you know i think a lot of yeah. what people attracts people to the show is similar to what attracts people to like going to those zoos or seeing tigers and stuff like that and it's e- it's much more easy to have like a removed like oh aren't those people crazy you know when you're just getting a kick out of the show but yet it doesn't i don't it, it's not actually accomplishing any awareness it, it, i mean maybe to some extent but i don't know it, it could be causing just as much harm and it wouldn't have been i think you could have pretty easily like inserted some kind of voice or, of reason or a character that uh, not a character but you know someone yeah who, all they the really ch- do is at the end they just throw that text up that's like and there's a lot of cats in containment in captivity right now right and it's yeah like, 
it's such a slap it's like such a it's such a oh by the way at the end of the story yeah. and one of the one of the twists of the show is they kind of set carol up at the beginning as like oh well she's the she's the pro tiger voice but then it turns out you know she's not and she's a whack job too but they never replace that with an actual person who could be like an advocate for sanity basically yeah and, and part of the issue i guess is that the, maybe there just aren't any of those people who are involved in the big cat uh world it could be yeah it could they be. definitely seem like their own kind of breed of of person right. but <laughs> you know there is there is like i don't know i i'm totally with you it felt like it felt like rolling around in the mud and just being happy about it and yeah. I, I just felt like i got dirty and yeah. i not to make this like political or anything um any more political than we already have i guess right. <laughs> but um you know i saw an interview with donald trump jr and he was like, we watched Tiger King and we loved it. OK. And then he was like, and I and you only have to pay like two thousand dollars for a tiger. I would do that. And right. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's like a beacon of morality or like a role model or anything, but I have a hard time believing he's the only person who thought that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that he took that message out of it and that people are like, oh, save Joe Exotic and asking the president if he's going to like pardon him, um, which is probably more of a stunt than anything else. But it's just is is maybe this this project started off as like a let's shed light on this crazy thing that's happening. And it turned into a let's really like celebrate it. And uh, yeah. I don't know how yeah. I feel about that. Yeah, I agree. It makes me feel weird. Uh, Speaking of sticky. other things that make us feel weird. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the other part of Netflix's foray into trash, yes. um, which we kind of talked about a couple months ago when we talked about The Circle, which was their reality competition TV show about people in social isolation which felt pretty feels pretty prophetic in uh in hindsight but too hot to handle is a show where they take a bunch of uh for lack of a better term sex idiots um and just put them on an island and tell them that they can't have sex with each other but they have to like get into relationships with each other um, yes it's under the guise of we're we're taking you people and teaching you that there's more to other people than sex Right. There's there's prize money and any kind of sexual activity that they engage in reduces their they basically like lose money. And it's it's a premise that like on the surface is kind of like hysterical. And I think a lot of people, you know, it has some amount of like, um, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but you're Schadenfreude, onto something, yeah. something like that. But it's like the idea of like getting, you know, like people who at least think that they're insanely attractive and just love, you know, <laughs> shots fired, <laughs> putting these, like these attractive, pe horny people all together. And then basically definitely just horny paying them not to have sex is, is like a pretty hysterical idea um so i think that that like premise on its own pulls a lot of people in but then yeah kind of like you alluded to it also has this weird layer of like this is under the guise of like and if you watch the show they they kind of allude to this a little bit they're like but because the the true reason for all this is to inspire you to have build deeper connections and learn about <laughs> yourself and self-development and um i don't know if you watched any of love is blind um i couldn't sit through it because i felt like all of the people sounded like they were just answering like depression questionnaires and yes. therapy and i was yeah. like you guys are checking off all the boxes i feel weird that we're exploiting you <laughs> yeah but uh but love 
Love is Blind was similar in that they were like the whole thing was where basically they had people like date for the purposes of finding someone to marry by the end of the show. And the whole setup at the beginning was that they had to go from meeting each other to proposing without even seeing each other. And the whole show was kind of couched in this idea of like, oh, it's because we want them to build a deeper connection and their connection isn't founded on like, you know, phony stuff like right. what a person looks like. And, you know, which is like on some surface level is like an OK idea to explore. But I it makes me feel really weird that basically these sort of exploitative like reality shows are kind of presenting themselves as like, hey, we're this cool like social experiment that that is teaching people more about themselves. Right. And um, I watch, I think I probably watch more reality TV than, than you do. I'm just kind of going out on a limb here. Um, but as a, long, as a long time watcher of the bachelor franchise, long time, I've watched several seasons, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this need to like this, this like inherent pull inside of these kinds of reality shows where they need to dress it up in terms of some kind of noble goal. Right. When I think everyone who's watching it, and everyone who's involved knows that that's BS at this point. Right, right, yeah. But there's like this need to kind of keep up the illusion so that it's not total trash. Yeah. Um, the Bachelor is very like chaste in comparison to like a show like Too Hot to Handle or um, The Circle or whatever else. Um, it's like very structured and it's very much about like marriage and this kind of thing but it's it, it's still kind of dressed up in that same kind of fairy tale um we're trying to help these people as opposed to we're exploiting these people and i think that there that's kind of that needs to exist in order to allow people to feel okay about watching watching it, it yeah when in reality i think the the levers of reality tv are a lot different than that and i don't think that it would be necessarily bad to acknowledge them like all of these people on too hot to handle are there because they want to be instagram famous yes as 100 percent the reason and it's 100 percent the reason why anyone is on the bachelor now is right, to right. It, there's a ton of money to be made from becoming instagram famous and gaining hundreds of thousands of followers right and promoting stuff and getting paid for it and these shows are are just popularity contests that get a bunch of eyeballs on people so that they can be they can be professionally popular yeah and i'm not sure that that's necessarily you know you might feel one way or another about it but i don't think that that's any more or less gross than trying to <laughs> having these people be on an island and under the guise of we're trying to get them to make a deeper connection y you right, know what i mean right um, yeah 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 i mean i i wouldn't say i'm necessarily like concerned about the right, like okay. contestants or participants like uh, you know i think they know what they're getting themselves into and they're signing up for this thing and they're consenting adults or whatever but it, it something about the way it's presented as media it's like it's built to be and i don't want to get too like david foster wallacey with this but like <laughs> it's built to be consumed with a certain amount of like ironic detachment that yes. is i it, like doesn't feel good um and i it, it makes me i don't know it feels just like weirdly dystopian in some way that i don't like um yeah i we were texting earlier this week and i noted that watching uh like too hot to handle and just having netflix like serve us these things of these people who are just trying to be popular um while we're all in lockdown it feels very much like the black mirror episode 15 million merits <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we're all just kind of like 
opting into the next thing because there's literally yeah. nothing else to do. And maybe this wouldn't be as successful if we weren't all in lockdown. But given the success of the previous projects that Netflix right. has in this kind of love is blind circle uh, trajectory, I'm not surprised. There's common threads between all this show, all these shows that I've noticed is with The Circle, Too Hot to Handle, and Love is Blind. Um, these people, from the looks of things, have very limited access to the outside world and very limited or no access to like the internet. They don't have their smartphones um, during their, the course of their stay on this show, as at least as far as we know. With The Circle, it, it seems pretty clear that they're not because it would actually kind of like break the, um, the show. Uh, if they had access to the internet um and with yeah, the other just like google reverse image search all right the, yeah all exactly pictures. and with the other two shows it definitely seems like they don't although i guess they could at some points um, i do feel confident now that i watch more reality tv than you because that is a that is a hallmark of many of these shows like uh yeah in the bachelor franchise definitely right. no phones right. no internet um and 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 let me it's definitely about isolating them. Let me ask you, because because p- part of what I was thinking watching these show is shows is like people will just do crazy stuff out of boredom when oh, basically you remove like any entertainment from their lives. <laughs> well, um, like you, you think about um, people are always very quick. I, I keep coming back to The Bachelor because it's the one I have the most experience with, I think. Um, and it's kind of, I think, <laughs> weirdly one of the ones that all of these are kind of based on. Right. Um, yeah. Tangentially or whatever. But people are always quick to point out how ridiculous it is that you're in love with someone or you're engaged to someone that you just met like four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that these people are all stuck in a house with nothing to do and this is literally the only person of the opposite sex that they've seen in a month yeah yeah is the only person that is like talking to them yeah <laughs> and that changes things yeah and you can uh, you can if you watch for it you can really start to see some of that stuff where it's like it's clear at times that people are doing certain things or that they're answering certain questions in certain ways because you can just like feel the hand of the producers like all over everything that yeah. that happens on screen which is one question i had so comparing these shows to other reality shows that you've watched something that is in, another thing that's interesting to me about these three shows in particular is this format that they've kind of adopted of like the there's no like clear rules to the game um yeah. set out like it all just kind of happens as it happens and in too hot to handle they they're just kind of like like nobody knows what the win conditions are or who's going to get the money and um and it gives like the production so much wiggle room to just kind of like oh they'll just throw some new people in or take some people out whenever they feel like it yes. um is that something that is unique to you can cut this out because it's just a question I have. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that this is unique. I definitely think it's a newer trend. There's a so there's three Bachelor shows. There's Bachelor, Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise is kind of along the same lines where they just take a bunch of the castaways of the other seasons, throw them on a beach together um, and just kind of like let them figure it out. And every like week or two weeks it's very vague when the timelines right. are but they're just like all right the guys are all picking someone this week and if you don't get picked you're off and then the girls do it the next week and they keep just pumping in new people all the time i think too hot to handle is like on the far end of unstructured it's yeah it's pretty amped up and they've kind of created this fiction of like oh there's this artificial at- intelligence you know device that's tracking everything that's going <laughs> on and then tells them stuff and it's like it, it basically yeah it basically just gives them and out to be like well the producers just do whatever the heck they want and uh you know 
they can call any audible they want basically within the quote unquote rules of the game and you know the players sort of accept it which is maybe you know maybe how it is on every reality tv show it's just in this way a little bit more transparent yeah but every time they say lana i think of um in archer whenever he yells lana he's just, lana <laughs> uh, i think my my hot take is like i think most people have this conception that it's like there's a lowbrow audience and a highbrow audience and these shows are like for a lowbrow audience and i think everybody imagines that they're watching like the bachelor or too hot to handle ironically they're like well i'm not really engaged yeah in this show in the way that the show is meant for me to is like wanting me to engage with it I, i'm watching it because wow look at how <laughs> crazy it is but and, and, i yeah. i think that's essentially most of the audience of these shows at this point and i think that a lot of these audience i think a lot of these shows have adapted to knowing that that is the audience right yeah and i think that's kind of where it ties into tiger king because there's a very similar thing going on where we just we sort of watch it and it's this like you know wow this is look at these crazy people and i'm not like them and you know we just kind of watch it and it's you know this crazy show and then we move absolutely on. no it's it's uh, you're you're totally right and it's very explicit in some of these shows even like you know the the narrator is literally like calling out the show and being like oh you know yeah you're, you're the, just the narrator in both the circle and too hot to handle is very much like with you in the corner of the party talking about the people in the party yeah yeah Okay, so uh, why don't we hop hop ahead to the uh, to the queue and talk about the stuff that you and I are watching on our own. And each each month we pick one show or one movie and we kind of recommend it to the audience and explain why we've been liking it so much. So I went first last month. Why don't you go first this time? Okay, I am going to recommend uh, Terrace House. Uh, which is another Netflix reality TV show, a Japanese uh, reality television Ooh, show. International. Uh, it's about a group of, um, I think it's usually six at a time kids who, or I call them kids, they're like between 18 and 29 usually, um, who just live together in a house in Japan. It's kind of a dating show uh, and there's like a commentary reaction panel, but compared to any other reality TV show I've ever watched, it's extremely subdued and very kind of wholesome. A lot of the drama of the show sort of revolves around like the characters talking to each other about like their careers and like encouraging each other to focus more on their work. And it's, uh, you know, there's occasionally romance or like these, you, you know, uh, but it, it never reaches like very heightened levels. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's just kind of mild and wholesome <laughs> in a very sort of calming way the better uh, call Saul of uh, <laughs> reality, reality TV. <laughs> yes uh in some ways in a lot of ways it's just the antithesis of uh, a lot of these other shows what what is like the excitement in the show is it just like watching these people is it just like hanging out with these people or is it kind of yeah. like uh yeah you just you get invested in the characters and you kind of like it's it's also an interesting window into like japanese culture which is very interesting like they're much more they are very intense about like having intention and being disciplined um and all these things and there will be like scenes where like somebody breaks down into tears over dinner because like somebody told them that 
they think they need to focus more on their work and be spending less time like doing this other thing. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's just kind of a fun Japanese hangout show and you get to watch uh, Japanese 20 somethings live their life. So I like uh, it. I like it. Uh, my pick this month is for the FX on Hulu show Mrs. America. It's a limited series from a Mad Men alum, Davi Waller. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, stars Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne and a ton of other famous people. And it's about the, the movement to both pass and uh, defeat the Equal Rights Amendment in the 70s. For those of you who don't know, uh, the, the Equal Rights Amendment was basically a constitutional amendment that passed through Congress. And the idea was that it would amend the Constitution and guarantee equal rights on the basis of sex and it eventually got struck down because of Kate Planchette's character Phyllis Schlafly all these characters are real and uh she's a big conservative movement and although we tend to focus on all of these liberal people who who fought it and did great work in terms of like pushing progressive values it's i think it's important to remember that the conservatives won and to think about how that shaped the world that we live in today for better for worse whatever your political leanings may be um i think that it does a really interesting job of presenting all the people as humans um as opposed to you know caricatures or monsters or um just outright heroes and pointing out it just feels incredibly relevant today all of the yeah. conversations that are happening in the liberal movement where they're talking about the liberal versus the left the more we need to compromise versus we need to stick to our guns and push for the biggest thing that we can get is something that anyone who is following the biden bernie sanders primary can definitely relate to um and uh phyllis schlafly is someone the last thing she ever wrote was in 2016 it was called the conservative case for donald trump so uh you can kind of trace all of the polarization about of america back to this point right um, yeah or this show is very much about that period in time but it is also very applicable to today and yeah. uh it's just a super deep bench of characters each episode focuses on a different one but all of these characters are in everything uh all the episodes it is uh yeah no three episodes are out on hulu now i highly recommend it that sounds great i uh will probably this is this is gonna go on the list and i'm excited to check it out although i've been doing a terrible job <laughs> of getting through my list recently <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a value, I think, in in um, painting people who do terrible stuff in fairly like sympathetic or human ways, because it helps us understand how, you know, regular human people can do or believe terrible stuff. And I think we have to be aware of the fact that like people who can feel very sympathetic to us can also believe things or promote things that aren't um you know beneficial or good or right and uh, you know I, I i don't know i i i you know obviously there's a line there and you don't want to be painting people as For heroes sure. or painting their actions as good if their actions aren't good um but i think we should be honest to who those people were you know and it's not it's not bad to um you know and like not to go back to tiger king or something but like i don't i don't have a problem with sort of the more sympathetic parts of exploring like joe exotic and tr trying to understand like who he is as a human and why he has all these cats and why he is who he is and that part is kind of interesting to me it's just like you you obviously then have to balance that out with showing you know how his actions or their actions are detrimental and showing someone who is you know i think forwarding what is right or good and those types of things 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- I think you should watch it, and we can we can actually talk about it in more detail. At a yeah, that point, would be a good, one, good um, one to discuss. Yeah, especially as a show that I think is going to end stronger than FX on Hulu's previous uh flagship <laughs> devs <laughs> devs <laughs> um anyways uh yeah before we, we we won't get into that that's not important. you you have a note here in your uh in your in the docs that's very interesting to me you said you're recommending mrs america on uh but definitely not westworld i'm definitely not recommending westworld um because although i still watch it every single week um it's certainly not good um (laughs) so this was this was my question because i've only watched the pilot and then i didn't really bother to watch anything after that even though this season yes even though i liked the or not yet the first episode so i'm guessing you would say just don't bother on the contrary um i think i think everybody should watch the show because i can't (laughs) stop thinking about it but it's not good (laughs) i am i am flabbergasted every week to see something that is really like incredibly well acted like i have nothing but respect for all the actors that are involved in this show they are doing such difficult work i have nothing but respect for like the incredible production value um the visual effects artists who are working on this kind of thing, the editing, the the sound mixing, the music. Hold on, the we're music's a little about, overrated. But we're talking about Westworld, not Game of Thrones. Right, right, and uh, <laughs> and like Game of Thrones, there's this kind of like fundamental flaw of uh, of of writing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just kind of blown away at how like the acting is even better across the board. I think in Westworld than it has been. Like in there were some bad actors at the end of Game of Thrones yeah, that they kind of yeah. got backed into because they had cast them as kids but it's just it's insane to me how much you can just squander that all of that work it just it totally just completely falls apart because of this both macro and micro writing tv is a writer's medium that's what they say i'll stand by that because i came Uh, up with it Um, where can they find you, Thomas? Check me out on YouTube uh, and TikTok. TikTok. Uh, TikTok. He's a TikTok star. I'm a TikToker now. So uh, is, that um, the, is it? Is that what it is? TikToker? I don't know. That's what I've been saying. But TikTokerazzi. Probably wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. As as I've learned was you know TikTok is truly the first like platform that I've been on on the internet where I feel like an I feel like an old person. Um, it, it moves so fast. Yeah. Even like even like um, Vine. It was kind of that was kind of like my generation still but this feels like you know there's room for me on it but i'm definitely not you know the you don't belong no no absolutely not you can be there but it's not for you yes uh you can find me on youtube at skip intro uh you can also find some of my video essays on the ringer i just uh just had one go up for about kim wexler in better call saul uh which was uh a really fun one for me to make uh you can also follow me on twitter at jack apn2 and thomas flight i think it's just thomas flight yeah i'm just thomas flight on there i uh that's i did a my video for about better call saul for netflix is out so if you want to see that it's on my twitter we are the we are the place to come for your better call call (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) all right uh, we'll talk to you guys next month all right